0: say it again and again. I I just want to remind ourselves that this is corporate worship and uh, individual worship carries on all week long, okay? And if you get with another believer and brother and sister in Christ, uh, praise the Lord, keep worshiping. And what you do in your work, on the job, you worship what you do at home in loving your family and in being with your family. You worship. Worship is not an event on a weekly kind of a basis. Worship is an ongoing lifestyle of the Christian. God is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and truth. John chapter 4. He's seeking that. Are you responding? You're saying you're a Christian. Are you responding to that? Are you worshiping Him? In your life. And that's the challenge we pick up with again. If you want to follow along in the outline that's in your bulletin, please uh, feel free to do that. Um, We already talked about in one message, point number one, the intake and the incarnation of the Word. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about the increase in the impact of real worship, starting with letter 2A, the testimony of the Old Testament. And we did a, a quick kind of a flyover of the Old Testament of passages that really helped us gain momentum with this idea of worship. And we need to remember that worship always, worship always conveys the idea of giving something to God. I'll say it again. Always conveys giving something to God. All, all, you know, so often I come and I'm, I'm looking for God to give me something. Well, yeah, He does. But really, worship is about us responding to what God's done and giving Him praise, giving Him honor, giving Him glory. He's worthy of our devotion. And He, really, the Bible tells us in many different passages that He comes to us as the delight of your soul. The fulfillment, the satisfaction of your life. Not just a a far off distant deity. And modern worship often centers on a feeling that worshipers hope to get instead of offering that only true worshipers can give. So whenever we talk about biblical worship, the first lesson is that worship can only be something that we give to God. Okay? And worship ought to be one of the, true sign, the, the signs of a true believer. The signs of a true believer. So we pick it up with point B under number two, the testimony of the Gospels. Now we are going to try our best to take an overview of the New Testament regarding this momentum of worship. The theme and subject of worship. So the testimonies of the Gospels is where we find the recording of the life and teaching of Jesus, where we pick up again with even a stronger current, if you will. A stronger current of the theme of worship. It picks up steam. Why? Because God's on the scene. God came to the sea. God came to earth. That's why we say, here's the, the incarnation of, Jesus, of God. God made flesh. God in a body. And now He's talking to people. He's talking to disciples. And one of the things that starts picking up in the New Testament in the gospel Record, is this what you see on your bulletin? Who is this? (laughs) Who is this? Remember the the old movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Only you old folks, right? (laughs) Who are those guys in that white hat kind of thing? Who is this guy, Jesus? Who is this? That came up many a time on the Sea of Galilee. How many of you have been on the Sea of Galilee actually there? You've been there? And, you know, to think of how a storm built up and came over those hills, those rolling hills, and whipped down onto the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples, they're afraid. And Jesus is sleeping in the stern of the boat. Jesus is sleeping. And they wake Him up. Right? He got up from His sleep. He rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, "'Hush, be still!' In Mark chapter 4, and the wind died down and it became, what? Perfectly calm. Why? The master is speaking to the created thing. The storm. The master speaks. The storm, the storm stops. He's the master. He's the creator. He speaks and it stops. <laughs> Why? He's the creator. Who is this? That's what they said. Who is this that even the The wind and the sea obey Him. Then in Luke 7, verse 49, who who is this that can turn and forgive somebody's sins? Do you get that? Do you get that? Do you comprehend that? There's not a person around that walks up to you and says, well, I'm going to forgive your sins. When was the last time you heard someone say that? that? That's a lunatic talking. Why? Because they, the people knew. Only God can forgive sins. And here's a man speaking that way. Your sins are forgiven you. You can't, you can't get that from anyone but God. Right? Who is this? He's the great forgiver. And then, I didn't put it in your outline, but John chapter 4, verse 7 through 30, really is another place where we could kind of say the same thing. Where the the woman at the well was like, who is this? She thought he was like a a good teacher or a good man and then a prophet. And then she says to the people in the community, come and see a man who spoke everything he knows about me. Everything about me. (laughs) Here's the one to worship in John chapter 4 that's the context of it. And then as he enters Jerusalem, when he enters Jerusalem at the great uh the triumphal entry, the beginning of the the holy week, and Jesus comes walking in on a little donkey. And the people that have been reading and know, they recognize, ah, here's our king. And they lay the palm branches down. They here he is. Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. And others would say, Who is this? Matthew twenty-one, verse ten. Who is this? But then it builds to the, the scene of the crucifixion. Matthew twenty-seven, fifty-four. Now, this is no slouch who's talking all of a sudden. This is a Roman centurion. He gets it. And he says, this could only be the Son of God. He didn't ask the question, who is this? He, he, he said, this can only be the Son of God. And so the question comes to each one of us. The question must be answered And it's answered in your life and in mine. Who is this? Jesus. And many of us, we've been to church all of our lives, you know. Growing up in church, been in church all the time. And just kind of, you know, followed all that we hear. But I want to challenge us, each one of us, young and old. Am I answering that question in how I live? Who is this? Because... How you respond is of the greatest significance in life. It cannot be matched by anything else. Do you understand that? Young people, it cannot be matched by meeting your love of your life. It cannot be matched. It cannot be matched by um, getting the career that you've always dreamed of. It cannot be matched by being drafted by the San Francisco Giants or the 49ers or the other Bay team we won't go there it cannot be matched by anything this world offers do you understand that? okay and yet that's what I I have a problem with that why do I have a problem with it? why do you have a problem with it? how come we aren't all just perfect with all this stuff? What's the deal? I need to grow in faith. And as my faith grows, as my faith grows, I see Jesus more clearly. And some of us do not see Jesus very clearly because we're not growing in our faith. And so you say you're a Christian, but lifestyle-wise, conduct-wise, it doesn't really look like it. Because you're not seeing Jesus very clearly. And we need to see Him. And how we need to see Him is with that centurion. High and lifted up. Where He died on the cross. But He didn't stay on the cross. He was buried and He rose again. That combination. Those ingredients. That's what it takes. uh, That's what the gospel is about. That He died... Instead of you. You should have died on the cross. That's the kind of death that I deserved. That's the kind of death that you deserve. That's the kind of death. It's a bloody, gruesome, horrific death. And I should have had that death. And Jesus stepped in and died in my place. Jesus stepped in and died in your place. And folks, this shows how little we think of God... He was the creator of the universes. <laughs> he spoke, and stars came into pl- into place. Stars came into existence. Study about the universe; it's like amazing. You can't even reach past. <laughs> well, I guess we can't use Pluto anymore. It's no more a planet, right? But you you, you go you. One guy, Louis Giglio, maybe you've seen some of his videos, Louis Giglio? And he says, we're just a little subdivision in this universe. Our universe, the Milky Way. We're just a little subdivision. And there's thousands of subdivisions in the universe. One maker. One God. And all the glory goes to Him. And He came and died a brutal death in your place so that you might know God not just to have a head knowledge because that falls short so that you might worship him that you might with your life give him praise and thanks and trust him for all things that happen so who is this that that's what letter b answers Here's the the testimony of the Gospels in letter C, number two. Letter C, the testimony of the early church. It's really about Jesus invading and overshadowing the life of the believers. If you read in the book of Acts, it's like they can't help but just love Jesus. It's Jesus overshadowing everything and everybody. And their lives demonstrated it. And they didn't bail out when things got tough. They actually understood the idea of blessed are those who, uh, are, those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Think of that. <laughs> God loved them and they knew it. And they, saw, they knew of the resurrected Jesus. The report was out there for the early church. They could go talk to someone that saw the resurrected Jesus. They could go talk to someone that saw Jesus after He rose up from the grave. Witnesses! (laughs) Yet they suffered intense persecution at the hands of evil men. For one reason, and one reason alone. That was because they became Christ followers. And things didn't necessarily go their way. And I, I know that things don't always go your way in your life. And yet we're not being persecuted to the extent that many brothers and sisters are around the world. And so be, uh, be, be glad and be grateful for God's work in your life, but don't, don't just shy away from the circumstances when things don't go your way. Is God off of His throne? Did He lose some power? No. No. He's still on the throne. And are you His child? Are you His child? Do you know that? Then rest in His care. Rest in what He's doing. He's a mighty King. He's a mighty God. And the more that we can get away from the small thinking about who God is and how great and how big and how awesome He is, you know, our trust then is going, hey, you know, God's got this. I'm, I'm going to trust God. So often we're, we're about, we want to control our situation. We want to control it. How many don't want to control it? You know, you get that. You understand it. We want to control our situation. And a part of learning and growing in the faith is saying, God, you're in control. I, I will trust you. I will trust you. And so, Jesus powerfully transforms people who trust in Him. Okay? So, that's Jesus overshadowing everything. But then there's false worship that's always there. Overstepping. Overdoing. It's false worship. It's driven by false teaching. False teaching is there and it's actually, if you want to get technical about it, it was there back in Genesis. The counsel and the teaching that the serpent gave was false teaching. And then it just kept you know, moving along throughout history, right? And so the buildup of the counterfeit brings false teaching and, and false worship. And it's always been a threat. And the New Testament gives us example after example. There's always something in the New Testament epistles that warns you and the church about false teaching and false worship. And I bring that up because I don't want us to get caught in false worship, nor false teaching. You know, we, we, we want to be on the alert for that. And some of you, you need to be on the because you're reading lots of books at home or watching TV, TV preachers, TV Christian personalities. Be careful. Watch. Be alert. Examine it with the Scriptures Don't just fling open the doors and say, hey, this is Christian. It might be false teaching. And a lot of times, the false teachers just don't mention things like sin, judgment, hell. Folks, if you're not using the Bible, the written Word of God to evaluate things then you're going to be wide open for all sorts of false teaching in the name of Christianity in the name of God the more you are hunkered down and studying the word the more you can then discern we're in an age of where there's a lot of lack there's a, I'm sorry a lack of discernment on the part of Christians you know it's like you with your little kids You want them to learn certain things. You want them to learn not to put their little finger in the electrical plug. That is called teaching them discernment. Okay? So, discernment. Very important. So, that's the testimony of the early church. We're going to move on. Letter D. The testimony of believers. See, all this is about what? What's the subject? Worship. There's a testimony in the Old Testament. There's a testimony in the Gospels. There's a testimony in the early church and in the life of believers. Now, I I pointed out these passages that I've listed in your outline. Matthew 13. He is the greatest treasure. Have you sold all and gone and bought the field where the treasure is hid? Now, that's... That's not literally meaning you go sell everything and uh, get rid of everything you own. But the concept is there is to exalt Him, to lift Him up, to value Him above all other things that you have. He's the greatest treasure. Okay? The kingdom of heaven, Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid again. And from... What? And from joy... I'll do it again, I like that. And from joy. He goes and sells all that he has. And goes and buys that field. And it's what? It's his. The idea is to own it. Own the what? The field? No, the treasure. Own the treasure. Folks, it's because it's the greatest treasure. That's what he's trying to get at. Here's the... The kingdom of heaven is like... A treasure, and the treasure of heaven is eternal life. Wrong. Jesus, the treasure of heaven is Jesus. The treasure of heaven is not our loved ones that have gone on to be there. The treasure of heaven is not uh, pearly gates and harps and white robes and no. The treasure of heaven is Jesus. Okay. Second reference, John chapter 14. The testimony of believers is because He, Jesus, discloses Himself to those who love and obey Him. Folks, this is important. I want you to take your Bible and turn to John chapter 11. I'm sorry, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And... This might not say anything about worship in particular, in specific, but this is the idea that's underlying our worship, that launches us into worship. Look at this. John chapter 14, verse 21. Please follow along. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to Him and make our abode with Him, make our dwelling with Him. What do you long for, Christian? What do you long for? What do you desire? Are you just longing for retirement? Are you longing for uh, the house get paid off? Are you longing for some other thing in this life? Or do you desire to see this issue of worship, worshiping the Lord Jesus in a way that's truly honoring to Him? See, we can say, oh yeah, I worship the Lord. But what do we just read about here? If you love me, you'll obey. It's not just, hey, I'm in the family and I loved worship. Jesus gives it a condition. Do you see that? Do you hear that? saying, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Now, listen, don't don't overdo this where it says, well, uh, gee, I can't obey. So, what what good does it do? I I just can't obey. Why would Jesus have, have said that? See, a lot of times we pick things apart and we s- separate things out and we try to categorize things and understand everything and miss kind of this combination effect, if you will. And this, listen, this is where if you're having trouble, let me say it this way, if you're having trouble seeing Jesus in your life, not, not phys- visibly, not physically, but if you're having trouble seeing Him, here's the answer. Here's the answer. Obedience and love. Obedience and love. He's saying here, he listen, he will disclose himself to you. He'll manifest himself to you if you obey. What? There's a condition to his love? Hmm, that's a good one to study, isn't it? It gets us thinking along the lines of works again. Oh, I I gotta love him to gain his love. Is that true? Is that true? No, it's not. It's all it, everything is covered by his grace. But still, he Jesus says it still. <laughs> He who has my commandments and keeps them. He's the one who, what? Loves me. And many of you, I say it too. I love the Lord. And you say it too. You love the Lord. That does not mean you have made perfection. Doesn't mean that I've made perfection. No. Doesn't mean I've attained something greater than someone else. No. It's just, we have to understand... Here's the words that he's telling us. True Christians are distinguished from unbelievers by what? Their obedience. True Christians are distinguished from unbelievers because of their love. They love the Lord. And it goes back to, I love the Lord too, obedience. If you have His commandments, obey Him. The one who keeps them is the one who loves me. You want to experience a greater worship in your life? (laughs) You want to experience a a deeper experience and encounter with God? Then it's the two keys. Obedience to Christ and love for Christ. So, get the earning thing out of your mind and the merit thing. Issue out of your mind and remember it's all of His grace. But these two put together through loving obedience, the believers come to know Christ better. You will, (laughs) I will. (laughs) And to teach or believe and live as though we don't have to obey oh, there's no need to obey, He's done it all that's false, that's wrong. We need to say, yeah, Jesus told me in John fourteen twenty-one, He who has my commandments and keeps them, He it is that loves me. See the challenge, folks? How many of you feel like a failure when it comes to obedience, right? We understand that. We're not trying to go into legalism here. We're just trying to say, what does Jesus call for? What is Jesus asking? And you, you follow. You follow Him, not some tradition, not some uh, routine, whatever. You follow the person of Jesus and say, it's only by your strength, only by your grace can I do this. Obedience to God's Word. Think, think about the nation of Israel. Israel. Remember the nation of Israel. All oh, he said, just just trust me and obey me and walk in my way. And how many times did they not? And they they fell under problems, major problems. And so it is with you and me. Israel as a nation is a picture of you as an individual believer. And so you say, Lord, please help me learn these lessons that I read of in the Old Testament about Israel so that I'll learn lessons about... I will, I will trust You. When I'm in the wilderness, Lord, when I can't see, I will trust You. And so, do you believe that Christ will respond to your obedience by making Himself increasingly more and more real to us think about that that's what he's saying in John 14 21 and 23 and not just that he wants to then he says come and make his abode his dwelling there it's only in folks it's it, again it's not just an experience it's Time spent and invested in the Word of God so that you can discern what His will is as you live life. Then John chapter 15. Another reference there that He's the source of life. He's the vine, we are the branches. You're there in John 14. Turn over to John 15. Look at verse 10 and 11. If you keep my commandments, He said it again. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you. Look at it! (laughs) So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Isn't that worship? Isn't that at least a part of worship? That your joy might be full. Jumping and leaping and praising God. Of course, we don't want to get into that kind of stuff. You know, we're stayed and, you know, we're right on, you know. What excites you? You know, what is the joy of the Lord there? And so the more that we are keeping His commandments and loving, turning around and loving, it's not just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey. I'll obey. No, there's a response of, and I, I want to love. I want to love Him. I want to love the Lord in my life. And so, here's the... It's, it's like a big setup, folks. Do you get this? It's like a big setup. Here's the big... Um, You know, we talked about baseball. Here's the, here, here's the big... It's like, we're going to just give a nice slow pitch softball to you. And you sit back and you, you hit that thing out of the ballpark. It's, it's set up for you. And that's the idea with what he's done is that he's saying, "Here it is, and and worship. Come to worship. Look at what Peter says now in First Peter chapter one. I know we've jumped around in different passages, but I'm trying to bring forth an overview, if you will, of the New Testament. I haven't even gotten into Colossians, but Make a note of that. The book of Colossians is another excellent example of the response of worship. Because of Jesus, we can have our joy filled up about Him. We ought to be overwhelmed as we see Him more clearly. I watch some of those DVDs that Louis Giglio does. I I, I get tears in my eyes. I well up and, and... I cry because I think, why? Why would God do what He did? Why does God demonstrate His love to us? Why don't you just call it hey, I love you. No, he, he demonstrated His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And now it's time for you to put yourself on that cross and realize you should have died you should have taken that punishment the more we will walk into the waters of the gospel the more we'll get wet and the more we want to go in and just get drenched with it and realize i i don't deserve anything but his punishment and look at what peter says first peter chapter 1 he's talking about being tested in your faith, verse 7, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold. Yeah, your faith being precious, more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in what? There it is. Worship. In praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though... You have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. There you go. Faith, listen, faith connects you to inexpressible joy and full of glory. And you say, well, I I don't feel that. Folks, that's our problem. We're trying to feel too much. We've got to remember to walk by faith. And how do you walk by faith? You spend time in the Word. That's what we spoke about at the very beginning of this little mini-series. It's about the intake of the Word of God, the application of it in my life, responding to God and learning about Him and responding with worship responding with love and obedience. When we do, He's going to manifest Himself more and more to you. So, faith is how you come to Jesus and how you come to see Him for who He truly is. Is your favorite line an amazing grace? I was once blind. I'm sorry, I was once lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. See, faith, faith are the eyes of your soul looking to Jesus. Okay? How do you see him now in your life right now? How do you see him? God's design, God's laid it out for us here, and his design is that you and I would see Jesus more and more clearly in this life. Yes, it's through a a glass. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about that. But really, the more we are lifting up our eyes to Jesus, the more we lift up sound doctrine, good theology, the more we see Jesus lifted up, the more we're going to turn and say, I am unworthy. And He is worthy. Okay? And it results... (laughs) By faith you can see Him, my friend. By faith you can see Him. Okay? And it ought to result in joy unspeakable. A joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that is the essence of worship. Worship. Let's stand together as we close our time. Folks, we started this by saying a strong church is really about having strong members. And it's not just about having a and and wasn't you know here's the the girl singing that was powerful and we have others of, that come and, and minister in that way but it's not just those quote on the platform it's not that it's everyone who's a member reaching out saying i want to like here i am lord use me and here i am lord i'm going to worship you i want to lift you up and I want to serve in my local church, and I want to serve in my community. I don't want to just be a, a one-a-day kind of, I, I'm, I'm in on church on Sunday. Hey, here I am. No, it's, oh, he calls you to a lifestyle of this, my friend. And so, are you excited about heaven? You're looking forward to heaven, Really? Four living creatures, each one of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within, day and night they do not cease, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, and who is, and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever, and the 24 elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne, Jesus, and will worship Him who lives forever and ever, and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are You, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things and because of your will, they existed and were created. You were created to worship God, my friend. If you do not yet know Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, as Savior of your life, I ask you to come down and talk to me. I, it, it doesn't have to be that way, but I'd like to be a friend in your life to help lead you to Christ the answer to life, the Savior of the world. You need to get right with God. You need to confess your sin and acknowledge Him as the Lord and Savior of all. Will you do that? Or are you going to push it off in your pride? Please don't push it off with your pride. Because one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2. Bow the heart, bend the knee, and confess with the tongue, Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we get excited about worship. We like that. But dear Lord, we need Help because all too often we don't want to obey you. We want to do our own thing. We say we love you. Lord, help us to always remember that if we say we love you, we'll keep your commandments. That means we need to learn them and be in your word and learn to delight in the law of the Lord. Lord, it, it accomplishes, your, your word accomplishes its purpose It won't return void unto you. Thank you, dear God, for your amazing plan. Lord, I don't deserve your love and your grace and your mercy. But thank you, Lord. Thank you for your amazing work in Jesus on my behalf. I pray, dear Lord, that you would uh, cause the, the people here that do not yet believe in you to recognize you're, you're calling them right now. You're knocking on their life to open, to come, and to profess faith in Jesus Christ. Help each one here to come to do that, dear Lord, by the working of your Spirit. And Lord, may we as your children live in such a way that shows that we do love you and that we're trusting you. We thank you for our time this morning. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Amen.